Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello and welcome to this. It is the Rugby Dungeon. I'm JB. Thank you for listening. Thank you for subscribing. If indeed you are subscribing, if you're not, I suggest you do so immediately. You can find out more about what I do. Uh, by following at Rugby Podcast, which is the Egg Chasers, me, Tim and Phil, bringing you rugby content every Sunday without fail. I've been doing so for six years and hopefully will be doing so for many more years to come. You can find this podcast at The Rugby Dungeon or you can find me on Twitter at Jay Beardmore. And if you really want to know what I get to away from rugby podcasting, you can go and look on the company website, uh, Beardmore & Co. Independent Financial Advisors and see what I get up to there as well, if it so takes your fancy. Enough of that. Because now I have one of the most exciting players on the pitch and one of the most entertaining to observe off the pitch too. It's the incredible Courtney Laws. How are you? I'm very good, my friend. I'm very good. A little bit tired. The twins are up early today. so Have you got twins? Yeah, well, yeah we've got, so we've got four. Um, the oldest is six. Teddy's five. And then we've got twin boys who are like two and a half. So oh they're God. absolute nightmare. I was going to say, absolute nightmare. Uh, any rugby potential yet? Um, I think so. They're, they're, all the lads are pretty, uh, well, they're very tall. Teddy's pretty skinny like I was, but the twins are, are big old units. But um, they've both got like, they've all got good hand-eye um, and they're like a bit of rough and tumble. So, Oh, nice. So um, you say you're tired, t- tired today. Is it a day off for you? I say day off, obviously, with four kids. It's never a day off, is it? <coughs> Yeah, so day at work today. No, yeah, I'm not in. I'm not in the club. Um, so yeah, um, we we train Monday, Tuesday, and then we get Wednesdays off. Train Thursday, Friday, and then weekends off at the minute. Now, the obvious question, of course, is with lockdown and all the awful stuff going on with COVID. How is the fitness? Are you are you keeping in shape? Are you are you, are you ready to go? Should the whistle blow tomorrow? Uh, probably not yet. Not quite, but. Mm. I'm getting back there. I mean, I didn't do much over the um, the lockdown period. I just kind of tried to keep my weight up um, and keep my weights going, as in keep my strength up and stuff like that. Because that's that's the main thing that takes me a while to get back when I yeah um, when I when I come back to training and stuff. Whereas my fitness, I, I you know, I'm I'm never really too far off with my fitness. So came back in. I did a few fitness sessions before I went back in, and I, I was pretty sweet, pretty good to go. So uh, I'm sorry about this. It is horrifically rugby nausy. But um, so, what kind of weight do you walk around at when you're when you're when you're not training for rugby or when you're not doing weight? What do you sort of go down to? So if I didn't start playing, well, I suppose it depends what you mean. If I didn't do any weights at all and I was just like a normal guy working nine to five or whatnot, um, I'd probably be around 105 kegs. I'd, I'd imagine. Okay. Um, be relatively relatively skinny um but walking around i walk around about 116 117 crikey yeah and i'm still i still look pretty skinny there <laughs> do you know what i mean <laughs> yeah but you do operate in the land of giants so exactly exactly uh, what kind of stuff do you do to sort of keep on the bulk um well i love my cooking so um i i, I 
keeping weight on pretty easy now. Every Sunday I'll do like, I'll cook three or four kind of big batches of meals um, and then freeze them up. It's just so, you know, if you're ever struggling to, to cook or you're, you're late home from training or whatnot, you can just throw something straight in the, in the microwave and, and have it there and then. So, um, but yeah, I just generally eat everything, like try and get as many calories as I can. Yeah, I was chatting to the chefs at Sail Sharks and they were saying for one of the type of props there, they're aiming for about 5,000 calories a day. And since I've started <laughs> counting calories, I'm like, that's a hell of a lot of food. Yeah, it is. It is. I've been I've been counting my calories in terms of um, training. I've been wearing my Apple Watch and seeing how much because I've never done it before. I, I thought it'd be quite interesting, but we're we're burning in terms of like one fitness session. We're doing burning about fifteen hundred calories in one fitness session. How long does that last? Uh, the last it was about an hour. The last one. Crikey! So um, you know, obviously I'm only running up and down a field with some level eight rugby players, socially distant, of course. But I, I've been yeah. measuring mine on my Garmin, and we're lucky to crack six hundred. Really? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Let alone yeah, a thousand plus. Yeah, we do. We do. It's it's pretty. It's been pretty tough since we got back. To be fair. Um. So yeah. yeah so, well, I've been doing um, you know, bits of research around you. Um, one of the things I found out. Uh, uh, absolutely fascinating is this well i say small club i'm sure they wouldn't want to be called uh, small uh northampton old scouts can you tell me about that? yeah yeah old scouts uh they're just a local club so um i went to northampton school for boys yeah and i started playing rugby when i was about thir- well i was 13 nearly 14 um and i played for a year with northampton um with northampton school for boys and then um, a lot of my friends played down the road. It's literally a couple of hundred metres down the road is Northampton Old Scouts. Yeah. Um, and they've had quite a few people come through, like Ben Cohen played down there, um, Steve Thompson. So they've had some they've had some good players come through that uh through that club. Um so I went down there and and yeah, really enjoyed it. A lot of my friends are down there. That's absolutely incredible. So I didn't actually realise that your roots were so Northampton-based. I mean, you literally played all, not only your professional rugby there, but your know, schoolboy rugby uh, and you know, yeah. junior club rugby too. Yeah, yeah. Um, my mum and dad moved. So my mum is was born in Northampton and my dad was born in Jamaica. Um, I was born in London mm-hmm. and they were living there until I was four. And then we moved to Northampton. I've been here ever since. I see. So did, were you playing with any lads... Uh, in junior rugby, which you're still playing with now at Saints, or is it all just turned over? Uh, not, not in terms of not a Northampton school for boys, um, or or even scouts. So we felt we had an unbelievable team. Uh, we got to, uh, I think we got knocked out in um, in the semi final of the Daily Mail Cup, and we got the furthest out of any state state school. Like we were really good. We had about 14 players that played for East Midlands. Amazing um, in our school team. And then about thirteen that played for Old Scouts as well. So we were we had, we had a really good team, but I don't know. Um, it just didn't work out for a few boys, injuries and stuff like that. Um, and yeah, I ended up being the only one. It's amazing that because you know, almost every player that that I that I speak to who's played ju- who's played junior junior club rugby, there's always someone in there in that team who are like either better than them or as good as them. And for whatever reason it is, it just doesn't quite pan out. Yeah, yeah. We had a, a lot, of, a lot of really good players. There was a guy called uh, Brad Heber George, who was a big, big old black dude on the wing. Um, <laughs> just used to score tries for fun, and that was playing for um, Northampton uh, for the Wanderers at 
16, me and him were playing at 16 and yeah, it just, it just didn't quite work out for him. I, I, I could almost have guaranteed that it'd have, it'd have been a good player if they kept on with it. Uh, don't suppose you know, don't suppose you know where he is now? No, I don't. Um, I still speak to quite a lot of my um, friends from school, but I don't know what Brad's up to, to be honest. Is it quite nice being the local lad playing in your local club? Or do you sometimes feel that, um, you know, it'd be nicer to be out, be out of the goldfish bowl or nipped over to France or whatnot? Um... I don't. I don't think too much about it. I mean, I like going to shops, and then like people will see you, and it's nice to have a conversation with new people and stuff like that. So I'm always like willing to talk um, and chat to people about rugby and stuff, yeah, um, or whatever really. Um, so I, I quite enjoy it, and it's not like they're not crazy fans. You know what I mean, rugby's not like a it's not like NFL, or an, yeah, yeah. So it's not like I'm flipping Kanye West, and they're gonna, <laughs> you know. Uh, just try and uh, jump jump you for photos the entire time, but um, people just generally want to want to have a conversation with you, and you, and I find that quite nice. What's the most frequent question that you're asked when when you're out and about? Um, not to do with rugby, obviously. How tall I am is probably the most <laughs> frequent question I get. But um, well, obviously, the past few weeks when I've been out there, just been asking me when. Uh, the season's going to start and stuff and telling me they're season holders and all that. So many yeah. uh, fans in Northampton, yeah. Yeah, because, I mean, it is pretty much a rugby town. I, I, I guess you're getting a, um, a lot of different attitude from the fans or a lot of different questions now than you were, say, two years ago. Yeah, probably. I mean, um, actually, I don't, I don't know, but the game's changing, isn't it? And I think that um, the fans are kind of changing changing with it. I, th- I feel like fans are quite knowledgeable now in terms of their rugby. Yeah. Um, and th- they'll ask you quite technical questions and stuff like that. So that's quite interesting. Yeah. Um, but, and, but other, yeah, I suppose it makes a change from how tall are you? <laughs> you know what I, mean? so. I tell you what, you're right on that because I think I know quite a lot about rugby, but the more I talk to players who are in the game and coaches, sort of the more I realise that I don't know. I think it's a case of, you know you know about rugby when you realise how much you don't know about rugby? Yeah, yeah, certainly. Certainly. It's um it's one of them it's like life, isn't it? Like I feel like um I'm just about clever enough to know how stupid I am. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I yeah, I completely agree with that because I am phenomenally stupid and I think it's only recently I've realised, you know, it's, uh, like exactly the same. I can't possibly have thought that when I was twenty five, and yet I did. No. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so just just in terms of you playing then, uh, you know, coming up through the ranks and stuff, were you, were you always a second row? Because I kind of look at you and your body shape and I think, you know, second row, sure, but, you know, often, you know, six or, well, basically six or back row or something. Yeah, I was, um, what did I start? I started off playing flanker uh, when I went off to school for boys and then I went to wing um, for a few seasons. How were and you then on the uh, yeah, I was right, mate. I was, I was pretty decent. I still, I mean, I still quite skinny um, when I was in school. I didn't put on weight until I really got to Saints. Um, so, but I was, I was, I was decent, a decent winger. Um, used to always fly out the line trying to smoke <laughs> someone, but um, let, letting a few tries that way. But never mind, it was fun. <laughs> um, anyway, yeah, I was, I was a decent winger, and then I, I kind of just kept growing. So they put me in the second row. Um, and then obviously now I just switch between second round and back row. Yeah, I'm glad you mentioned the smashing people because I, I mean, I guess you know what, I guess you know what I'm going to ask next. But um, <laughs> I, I, 
in my mind, watching you play, and I've watched you play for as long as I can remember now, uh, you've always hit hard. But for some reason, there was something extra, extra awful about when you played alongside. Uh, how on? I always get the name wrong. I was going to say Samu Manoa, but then I want to say Manu Samoa. But that's the country, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, Samu yeah. Manoa. Samu Manoa, yeah. Um, Samu's one of my... Uh, he's like quite inspirational, I think, for me. Just because we share such a similar like outlook on life and attitude and um, personality, really. like He's just a really American version of me, I think. Yeah. Um, so... I, I really enjoyed playing with him and he was one of the best players I think I've ever played with, definitely. Uh, and we always used to just kind of have a season-long competition and um, who could take the most names kind of thing. Oh, really? I didn't know that. Yeah, I, mean, I yeah, did see did. some similarities in, in, in the way that you played, but I didn't realise it was a direct competition. But thinking about it, you'd be silly not to. Yeah, it's, it's just a bit of fun. Like, it wasn't anything serious, but it, yeah, it was good. Who won? Uh, I think Samu's... I don't really know, actually. Um, I think Samu's hits are, are bigger, and especially on bigger people. Like he's just a bigger man, more powerful. But I think I'll probably be the more prolific hitter. Yeah, are you aware that there are like bloggers and whatnot out there who actually written like whole? I wouldn't quite say they're as long as essays, but it's only articles just about your style of hitting. No, I had no idea. Yeah, <laughs> it, was, it was christened a few years ago, like the the elbow hit, because what they the claim was that you 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 target the elbows in order to dislodge the ball. And I don't know if you do it or do it purposely or not, but I was looking at you know the case that they presented, and it's pretty compelling actually. Oh, really? Yeah. I mean, I don't. Yeah. I wouldn't say necessarily aim for the elbow, but I hit. I I guess I do try and hit around that kind of height because you're not in danger of hitting them in the head when you're that low, but you can still. Um, you're still high enough to knock them backwards, if you know what I mean. Yeah. Um, it's still a, a pretty good um, place to hit in terms of le- leverage. So completely by um, coincidence, last week I was uh, I was um, interviewing Ryan Lamb. And yeah. Ryan Lamb's theory was... <laughs> <laughs> Lammy. Yeah, exactly. Uh, great guy. Very, very good interview, I've got to say. The guy can talk for ages and ages and ages, which is perfect for me. Yeah, uh, and he he was saying that that your main thing or the main or the main thing that he found with it was it would just put him off his game or that or that's the idea to put you under his. And it's not so much the the hit itself, but the pressure and the threat of it. Yeah, I think so. I think um, I think it can make quite a bit of difference, kind of subconsciously, um, to tens that are maybe a bit worried about it, just because. I can put pressure on that way. Like I've got a good time in that way. And obviously you don't really want to be on the end of it kind of thing. So I, I'd hope that I could make a difference that way. Yeah. Are there any sort of hints and tips that you would give? Because from my, the thing which I find utterly astounding is they never see it coming. <laughs> um, I think it's because I'm normal. Like if ever I've done a, a big hit on a 10 kind of thing, I've been kind of coming round. Uh, the breakdown at the time so they don't they're concentrating on the pass and then when they've got the ball obviously they're concentrated on where they're going to deliver it yeah and in the meanwhile i've come around the ruck and taken timing off the nine and not i've not stopped so i can just continue oh, I see. Um, do you know what i mean continue my yeah. kind of arc um into the 10 and uh, it, it also means that 
you know, you haven't got to accelerate off the line. You you just carry on running kind of thing. Um, interesting. So which you, is good for my, my long legs. You're getting all you're getting all of your cues off, off the nine then. So when he's released the ball, you are following. Yeah, exactly. Brutal. Exactly. And then if you can time it right, um, which I've managed, it's, it's not easy and I haven't done it really that much if you talk about a kind of 13-year career. But when you do time it right, you can get some decent hits. Uh, well, I mean, you say you haven't done it much. I mean, I guess... I guess thirteen-year career, you only need to do it twice a season, and you've got, and you've got one hell of a highlights video. Yeah, yeah, true, true. Uh, it is weird. I mean, I uh, I find it weird that you know of the things which excite me the most as a fan of the game, watching those hits uh, would be definitely one of them. I think it's strange the way that rugby always seems to be in a phase now where we're going away from embracing that sort of physicality. If if anything, it's almost a little bit frowned upon. Yeah, it's it's funny, isn't it? But I think um, that's. You've got to follow the money, right? So, okay. People people don't want their children to be um, on the end of that kind of physicality. <laughs> no, no one wants and, to be on the end of that. Exactly, and um, to get more money into the game, you've got to get more people into the game in terms of rugby players, and then um, more fans. But. I think that in order to try and entice people to play rugby, um, they want to make it less, probably less physical, so more people will be more inclined to play it, if that makes sense. Uh, it does make sense. I mean, the logic is pretty sound. I would just ask you this. Imagine uh, a 12-year-old Courtney Laws. Um, would you... Would you be wanting to play rugby because of the you know the big hits and the excitement and everything else, or because someone told you it was a game of skill and evasion? No, no, I, I completely agree with you, and I I don't think it's necessarily the best way to go about it. But that that's the logic that I've come to from why everything's going in this direction. And to, and I guess safety, obviously safety is very important, of course. Um, so things they're doing around HIA, yeah, and stuff like that is quite good, but. It's, it's difficult because rugby is such um, such a kind of intricate game and if somebody's ducking their head into you and the only thing you can tackle is well, what are you going to do? Are you going to move out of the way so you don't hit them in the head or are you going to tackle them so you can tackle them? But do you know what I mean? It's, yeah, it's quite difficult. Well, um, it makes the game more difficult. I guess the point I would make on that is every time that you make it a bit easier, you open the door for players that are maybe not as talented as the ones that they're replacing. Uh, again, I'll go back to um, what I was talking to Lammy about, and it was again about the hits. And he was, you know, we kind of came, we came, we were kind of saying that, you know, if you outlawed the big hits, you, you know, and the, you know, there's less pressure. Well, then lesser fly halves could play because the secret to being a great fly half is op- is operating yeah. under that pressure. No, you're bang on, mate. I, I agree with you. I, I mean, I don't. I I think the game, I think the game is what it is. It's a physical game, and it should always be a physical game. And it's not for the faint of heart. And um, if you want to play it, then you you've got to be tough. Do you yeah. know what I mean? So, uh, yeah. Have you noticed it getting more physical of late? Yes. In what way? Just just describe that for me. Um, just the athletes are better, mate. Um, and it's not it's not like now where you're a 21 year old. So way back when, if you're 21 years old, you never played rugby before. If you're a decent kind of athlete, you could just pick it up and get on with it. Yeah. And you could be a, be a decent player. Nowadays, 
kids are literally being almost bred to be good at rugby. Like they're from from you know five, six, seven years old. They are um, being trained on how to be a good rugby player and a, and a good athlete, and you know it means that um, you've just got better better athletes, more powerful, bigger, stronger, faster men in the game. Yeah, and I wonder if an element of that is just the knowledge which is available now. I mean, if you're a young man. Say you're 18, you've got nothing to do other than play rugby and you want to play rugby and you want to eat clean and work out. There's so much information out there. I mean, you go on YouTube yeah. for half an hour. 100%. Information, equipment, um, you know, yeah, like I said, knowledge, knowledge of conditioners, uh, coaches, everything. So, And then obviously, just because it's a competitive sport, everybody wants to be fitter and better and bigger and stronger. So, yeah, just it's just the way it goes, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, j- just on that, I mean, I've seen... I've been lucky enough to be following Sal for a while. I do. Um, I'm lucky enough to go and see him train occasionally. Uh, and you know, just to sort of prove your point there, the Curry boys seem to have literally been bred to do nothing but rugby, and they seem to get bigger <laughs> and bigger every time I see them. Yeah, yeah, they're uh, they're interesting couple of lads, but they're they're very good rugby players. Yeah, quite. Um, so now that you're more now that you're a more senior guy around the Northampton team. Well, I say the more, more, a more senior guy, probably the senior guy. Um, yeah. What kind, of, what kind of advice do you dish out to the young lads, if if at all? Um, I gem- To be fair, I generally take quite a lot of um, the skills sessions. Mm. So I'll be helping, well, myself yeah. and all the players in terms of what we want in certain situations. Um, like ball carrying um, and obviously tackling in terms of defensive structure and tackle technique and tackle um, tackle choice. Um, there's lots of little things that go into it, but because I've obviously got a lot of experience, um, I, I've got a lot to offer in terms of what I think is best in, every, in certain scenarios. That's amazing. So, hang on, did I hear that right? You said that you, you take some of the skill sessions. Uh, yeah, That's not not in terms of group. So we'll do. It's called individual skills, whereby yeah. we'll. Um, it's not like I'll take the whole uh, rugby session or anything like that. But yeah, yeah, we'll break it down into groups, and then if I'm in a group, then I'll generally decide what what we do and what what skills we're going to practice and stuff. That's really interesting. So how often do Northampton break down into groups, and you know, like what size? Of, what are the size of groups? That kind of thing. Um, so you you can you choose what you what basically you want to work on and then you'll ask people if they want to kind of do it with you yeah do you know what i mean so it's it's basically a it's a player led thing anyway and um i'll generally do ball carrying um a shape stuff just different different shapes and stuff like that so um yeah it's probably just some of the oldest one there that i generally try to run it that's quite de- that's quite decentralised in terms of leadership. I, I don't think I've heard of that. I, I don't think that I've heard of that before. No, yeah, we do it. Um, we do it at England. And do we do it at England? No, not as much at England. It's more definitely more at Saints, but it's probably about once or twice a week we'll do individual skill sessions. Well, they say individual, but it's individual. You decide what you want to do basically, and then you do it as a group. Oh, nice. Uh, so, what are the main differences uh, around Northampton now? Because um, I think you've been under Chris Boyd. Is it? It could have been two years already. It, it probably has been. Actually, uh, I think it might have been two years. Yeah. Uh, there, well, it it'd be two seasons at the end of the season. 
Yeah, because obviously you made the playoffs last year, um, which was mm. a, quite a surprise to to a lot of people, including myself. You're going well yeah. this year. Um, obviously, yeah. something has happened there in that transition. Yeah, I think um, we've had a bit of a change of... Well, we've obviously had a big change of staff and a bit of a change of direction. I think that um, Vessi's done really well in terms of attacking and just making sure that we're all, we're all on the same page. And yeah. that, that's one of the biggest things in rugby. Is it's not necessarily, you even if you've got the best strategy or um, kind of team structure, it's more if you're just all pulling in the same direction. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and if everyone's on the same page, it's much easier to play off off that hymn sheet. Was there any sense of uh, anxiety or what? And anxiety is not the right, the right word, but nervousness, I guess, when... I mean, Mal- Jim Allender was there for a long, long time. Uh, did, 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 sorry, just before I continue that question, did you play with him in the championship or were you a bit after that? Yeah, yeah, that was my first season. Awesome. That, yeah. that is awesome. We'll uh, talk about that in a second then. Um, <laughs> uh, but, but then that transitioned to a different coach because, you know, I guess if he's got different ideas about the players he wants and whatnot, it's a bit de- destabilising for everyone. Uh, are you talking, do you, do you mean personally? Yeah. Um, no, I wasn't worried personally because. Um, I don't. I don't know. I just don't really worry about things like that. And I'd heard Boydie's a like, good dude and stuff. So, um, you know, if if he didn't like me, then it's, what can you do about it? You just got to get on with that, haven't you? Yeah. But um, no, I wouldn't say I was kind of anxious about it. But we did need a change. Uh, things had gotten slightly complacent, and we weren't moving forward. So, um, and it and it and it happens. Do you know what I mean? Um, in 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 rugby, and you have teams have ups and downs, and um, throughout season, so um, yeah, it was it was it was good that we had the change, and, and we certainly needed it. Yeah. Now, one of the things which I always like about Northampton, I say one of the things I always like about Northampton is if it's the entire club. I'm mostly think, thinking about top um, about Tom Wood here, but um, <laughs> I again, I was in, I, I was lucky enough to lucky enough to interview him, actually, and Jamie Gibson too, and it just strikes me that all you boys have got. A load of outside interests. I mean, Tom Wood's talking about taking twelve lads well to welding classes and, and, and whatnot. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, um, it's, there's not loads to do around Northampton, so people generally um, go and find their own little hobbies. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, so you, you've got your club as the base, and um, and your family, and obviously it's a really big family orientated club, and that's really good. So a lot of the wives and stuff hang out together and the kids and stuff are good friends. So that's really good. But outside of that, yeah, pretty much everyone's got their own little hobbies, whether it's gaming or woodwork gaming, yeah. or, or, you know, anything. Um, so yeah, it's quite cool. Have you watched uh, Jamal Ford Robinson's ga- uh, gaming, gaming podcast yet? It's a podcast, but it's also on YouTube. No, I haven't seen it actually. I will check that out because Jammer's a funny guy, man. It's oh, funny. he's great, isn't he? Uh, yeah, yeah. I, I mean, most yeah, for most clubs, it's sort of the boys finish training and then it's coffee with the lads. But um, with you guys, it's all sorts of weird stuff. No, we yeah, definitely we've got we've definitely got a coffee club. There's there's boys that that do really love the coffee. Uh, we've got a few good golfers, um, a lot of gamers. We've got a hell of a lot of gamers at our club, um, and but it, but it's basically all the young lads that are gamers, and then all the old old boys are like family men. Um, and then do other bits like coffee and woodwork and <laughs> woodwork, all sorts of all sorts of stuff. Yeah, I, I tell you what, those young lads that are into gaming, I used to mock them, but uh, now I know the amount of money involved in gaming. I think they should be. Oh, mate, money. we'll have a new generation of kids who, you know, when they would have 
potentially been sportsmen they'll want to be like e-sportsmen or whatever do you know what I mean it's going to be mental I, I, I can't say that you're wrong there I mean there's I think there's a stadium in is it California where it's like, it's like it holds like 20,000 people to watch people game yeah 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 I mean I, I'm guilty of watching people game on on YouTube and stuff like that there's tons tons of money in it yeah maybe uh maybe we're part maybe we're part of the old god I think we are mate I think we are they said e-gamers will earn more than um, like the best e-gamers will earn a lot more than the best rugby players you know what I mean yeah well <laughs> I found out something incredible the other day that racing teams are actually handing out contracts now not to people who have bothered going going uh, going racing but people who have actually yeah. bothered doing sim racing yeah yeah it's yeah it's astounding yeah. it must be it must be incredibly accurate then the the sim racing if if that's the case. You know what I mean, it must be very similar. Well, probably more similar than say um, if if I happen to get very good at journal Omu rugby and showed up at Saints training. <laughs> yeah, certainly, yeah, definitely. <laughs> uh, uh, just tell me about your experience in the championship because you know you've been an elite player for as long as you can as long as you can remember. I guess that must be the last time you played anything else other than top level rugby. Yeah, I mean, uh, it's my first season, so I was eighteen. Um, I got my debut against Isha, uh, but I had a pretty rough season with injuries. Uh, I think I, what did I do that year? Um, I think I broke my leg, I think, and I, I definitely broke my jaw towards the end of the season. Oof, um, but yeah, that was, I got three, I had three games that season for Saints. Um, so I didn't have much involvement, but yeah. Oh, what a shame because I, I kind of I've got a very I mean I don't know what it was like to play in that league but I have a very romantic um, image of you know the Saints coming down there actually enjoying themselves going back up reinvented under Jim Allender and then you know eventually yeah. ending up in the title yeah yeah definitely I mean um, the boys definitely enjoyed that year even going out of Cornwall and that um, but uh, yeah they, they had a, they had a really good time and it's obviously good to just rock out and win every week yeah, I mean, I guess that's from the Northampton side. I mean, from you know, if you're a lad in Cornwall, it must have been bloody brilliant to play against Carlos, Carlos Spencer or whoever is yeah, on yeah, the roster then. Definitely, Ashy. That was Ashy's first season as well. Was it really? Yeah, Chris Ashton. Yeah. Uh, now, just changing, com- changing completely. Uh, you went over to um, you went over to Japan for the World Cup. Uh, yeah. Just tell me a little bit about your um, uh, about your time there, and would you ever be interested in playing there? Should the opportunity arise, having experienced it firsthand? Um, mate, I actually loved it. I thought it was amazing. I thought it was. It wasn't the first time I've been there because I went there with the under twenties uh, for the World Cup, um, but it was the first time I've really experienced Japan because when you, uh, what was I, eight, eight, 19, 19 at the time. And you got no money, and you've got no, <laughs> and you, you know what I mean. You're basically just stuck in a hotel. Um, when I was there, when I was younger, but th- this time, yeah, we went there. I thought it was amazing, really good experience, lovely people, um, had some amazing food out there. Yeah, um, some really good time, some really good times. What are the sort of things that things that you did on your downtime? Because of course you're out there for a good four or five weeks, I'd guess. Uh, two months, pretty much, two months, out yeah, there. Of course. Yeah. Um, well. Spent obviously spent a lot of time with the lads. Um, spent a lot of time going and getting nice food, good sushis, and and um, wagyu steaks and stuff like that. Yeah. Pretty expensive, but worth it. The RFU food, uh, bill, uh, uh, yeah, the RFU food bill must have been a nightmare. <laughs> they, they wouldn't pay for no wagyu steaks, mate. That was honest. <laughs> uh, but 
but I actually took my so I dusted my PlayStation off for that tour because I knew we were going to have a lot of downtime. So I spent a lot of time just just playing PlayStation. Oh, nice, nice. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I, I mean, I, I, I guess at some point you've just got to switch off and do uh, switch off and do something boring. Yeah, mate. It was it was honestly nice to just Sundays just just mong out. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I was out there for um, basically the group game. So I went to watch you guys against USA. Um, was the France game cancelled? Yeah, it was. So yeah, I don't. It even, was. Yeah, I don't even remember because it all sort of blurred in, blurred in, into one. We had no. Yeah, downtime. it really did. It really did. And it's, yeah, as soon as we did, we actually felt guilty for having downtime. You think, okay, I've only got two weeks. You may as well do everything. Yeah, yeah, I know, I know. I, I mean, we had a, enough time out there to kind of experience a good bit and have a good bit of, and you had to have a bit of downtime because we were we were training and it was boiling. It was it was minging out there sometimes, but. Yeah. Um, but no, it was, it was good to get a bit a good mix of both. Now, uh, yeah, obviously, you guys at Northampton train really hard, and uh, one of the things which always comes out of England camp and people that go to England camp is how hard the training is there. Is it really that much of a step up in terms of physicality? Yeah, yeah, it really is. I mean, um, it is it is a, a different thing altogether, just because you cannot keep that kind of intensity up and in for an entire season. So if your club train like that, your team would just burn out eventually. Do you know what I mean? Because it takes, it takes quite a big mental toll as well as it does physical. Mm-hmm. Um, and obviously if you're just playing repetitively, we can, we can week out with your club. Um, you pick up lots of niggles and stuff like that. So it's much harder and you've got to uh, kind of taper your, your training to, to fit your players and, and what they're feeling at the time. But with England, it's just, hard and fast like you're getting in you need to be fitter than you are at club you need to be stronger um you need to be faster more physical so yeah it's just that it it really is a step up that's a really interesting point i never really thought about which is yeah club rugby yeah of course you're working hard but actually it's an element of sustainability there which you've got to be there all year yeah exactly so if you could reinvent the game would you prefer something like, I'm guessing, like a short NFL season where you build up to be in your best shape possible and then play a few extremely high-intensity games with all the high-intensity training leading up to that or the longer sort of premier, like, like premiership season where it's more, more about uh, maintaining your body? Uh, it's a good question. I mean, I don't really like pre-season, so I'm going to go... <laughs> I prefer playing <laughs> rugby play... than I do running, so... Um, I, I reckon I'll go with a long season rather than a long preseason. I'll flip an eight preseason. Yeah, I think you're right because I think Eddie Jones had the Japan team in preseason for six months. NFL teams yeah. are always doing preseason; it never ends. Yeah, exactly, exactly, and it's all right for them because they're fit. I've seen that when we went to Denver for the 2015 World Cup, we watched some of them do some fitness, and it was just pretty much light jogging. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, they they don't they don't need to be fit. Do you know what I mean, if I could just practice power and strength all time, happy days. But our our, tra- our preseason just pretty much fitness. Yeah, they actually call it ga- gases, don't they? And it's literally run to the five meter and back, and that, that's it. Yeah, yeah, literally. Yeah. Uh, when you're when you're with England, then so just going back going, going back to, to Japan or. Uh, well, yeah, particularly in the in, in in the internationals, and you know, maybe may, maybe the Lions too. Do you get a sense of how big the occasion is? Um, yeah, I, certainly for the World Cup, just because obviously we got so far, and then we beat New Zealand, and then it was flipping, it was hitting home. You know that we, you know we could really do this. Um, something that's 
that truly is life changing. Um, obviously, we didn't end up doing it in the end, uh, unfortunately. But uh, it was a surreal feeling that week leading up to South Africa and then um, and then the game. But I, I really, I really thought we did well. I, we had one of the youngest teams in the competition. I think it was the youngest team to ever reach a final of the World Cup. So, um, yeah, I'm looking forward to to next one if I make it, and if not, looking forward to watching it. How old are you now? Thirty-one. Oh, you'll easily make it, mate. You'll stroll into it. Yeah, being my prime, mate. Exactly right. Second row is last, <laughs> basically last forever. Simon Simon Shaw was forty. When yeah, he, I know. When yeah, he, fair, he, play, fair play. Fair play. Maybe I'll make it. Um, forgot what I was going to ask now. Oh yeah, uh, just yeah, just when you said um, you thought um, when you you know after the New Zealand game you thought ah oh, actually we we can really do that do it now. There weren't any doubts going into the, in, into the New Zealand game. No, there were no doubts. We knew we were going to win that, but it's just the realization of it. Do you yeah. know what I mean? Because you have to, you have to do it in order to really believe it. But I think we knew we were going to shock everyone, but we we had to prove it to ourselves as well. And what were the details about about New Zealand, which you thought, yeah, actually, we'll do this. Um. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. I think just our preparation in terms of the, the the entire tournament was pretty much leading up to that that game, wasn't it? Mm. Um, and we always knew that we were going to meet New Zealand in the semi final, if if and when we got there. And um, we we just put so much so much effort into it leading up to to the the semi final and the final um, that we I felt like we just didn't have a choice. We just had to go out there. And, and put it in. We've done all the, uh, we've done all the training. We've done all the um, off-field work. Everybody was on the same page. Everybody knew what their individual role was at every, any given time. And um, yeah. But did the mag- but the magnitude must must have surprised you? What of the of winning it? Yeah. Because it wasn't um, just a small win, really, was it? <laughs> No, it wasn't. And it was a hell of a game of rugby to be involved in. It really was. So I think, yeah, the whole game was just a brilliant spectacle of rugby, wasn't it? And I think that um, it, it shocked a lot of people. So that was quite fun um, because there was a lot of memes going around talking about, <laughs> yeah. uh, you know, it, not we, we were going to use Nigel Owen as an excuse when we're losing all this kind of stuff. Um, so it's it's nice to you know put a middle finger up every now every now and again to that concept. Exactly. Uh, is, is there anywhere in particular when you're playing international rugby you don't like to go? I mean, I guess you got, you guys just relish the challenge, but but there's nowhere like you know away at Wales or away at France, and nothing really bothers you as such. Uh, no, I wouldn't say anything really bothers. Us. I think probably France is one of the hardest places to go and play. Yeah. Um, just because they're a completely different team at home. Um, and they've got such good players. Do you know what I mean? They've got so, so much talent um, that when they when they can pull it all together, they really are quite difficult to beat. Yeah, 
Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, any team which can field, well, can field Louis Pickamores off the bench is always going to be a handful. Yeah, exactly. Uh, what was he like to to uh, to play with, by the way? Because he, you know, he's always been one of my um, one uh, one of my favorite one of my favorite players. Yeah, he uh, he's very he's obviously very French, and he didn't speak much English. But um, <laughs> did did, did but he not speak it, any English during his time at Northampton? Because I remember him very little. I mean, we were we were kind of teaching him how to speak English as as we went. Oh, um, and Vesti really? had been to France, so he spoke a little bit of French, so that helped him out, but. He was probably the most ridiculous player I've ever seen play in the Premiership. Like, it, it was, it was, you know, you know, there's them little weird doll things that've got like a round bottom. Oh yeah, yeah, so yeah. You, yeah. Can, you can't knock them over. Yeah, and that's what he's like. Like his his ass and legs are so big, and they're so much bigger than his upper body, and he could just break tackles that. It was ridiculous, mate. He is ridiculous. He's just a, such yeah. a strange. He's such a strange and effective specimen. Yeah, he is very much, and he's powerful and he's quick, and he's relatively no. He, he, I suppose he's not that fit, but he, he's fit enough. he was out of a player. Fit enough, yeah. Yeah. Um, now I, I'm, I'm sorry to turn the conversation this um, uh, this way, but may, may as well because of the news, news and and whatnot. Um, can I ask what do you think of? Uh, the controversy or the so-called controversy around swing low? Um, I, th- I had a short conversation with somebody on Twitter about this and they, were, they basically asked me the same question. Uh, I said that I don't see a, I don't see what the big deal is, but I rarely do with things like this. Yeah. Um, because I don't see the, I don't see the point in kind of getting mad over history. Like history is just history. Do you know what I mean? Mm. Um, you can't change it. You can't do anything about it. You can you can learn from it. Um, but I don't feel any type of way about it. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So it really doesn't bother me. And, not, and I, don't, I still don't really know the history in depth about it. Um, but obviously because of the whole climate at the minute, everybody's digging into everything and making sure nothing's remotely racist or, and stuff like that. So, um, and if it offends some people, then you can have a discussion about it, but I don't think you should just cancel things just because a few people want that, want it canceled. I think you should have a, um, a discussion about it. Um, uh, you know, maybe a vote or what, what not. And then, you go from there. That's democracy, isn't it? It's very difficult because first, first and foremost, I mean, I'm kind of like you. Know, I sort of, I often feel that I just don't get upset by these things. But maybe the reason I don't get upset about these things is because it just doesn't really affect me. You know, I have no idea, you know, what I should be upset by, or you know, like yeah, I just don't. Um, I um, I just don't, don't don't really care. But then I think about it, well, maybe I should try and see it from see it from someone else's eyes, and you know, I. I'm struggling to see the controversy around that particular song. It's not saying that um, I'm not lumping that in with everything else, but just in that particular case, I'm really, really struggling. And I don't really see, you know, the crowds at rugby games as a bunch of baying racists, really. If I'm no, if no, honest. certainly not. There's, there's, there's I mean, the, the amount of, um, you know minority groups in the England team and the fact that um, we are all you know adorned and people are incredibly proud of us 
Yeah. Because we're English, not because of anything else. Do you know what I mean? So, and and certainly people aren't singing the song for any kind of racist <laughs> reason. Do you know what I mean? We'll so get them. It it doesn't make it doesn't make sense to me. But like I said, it, stuff like that rarely does, mate. I just try and get on with what I can control. Yeah, I sort of think if you talk about something enough, people start to feel uncomfortable about it. Uh, yeah, yeah, definitely. So like, uh, you know, um, extra chiefs and um, all the carry on there there with their name never really occurred to me but the more people talk about it the more you kind of do get a little bit sensitized not sensitized no sensitized is the right one desensitized is the wrong one i think oh maybe maybe because this uh, this conversation isn't going away there is some, something to it but again uh, i kind of don't think there is what was the chief's one i didn't hear about that oh yeah well obviously chief is native american yeah so what was, is it appropriation or something yeah exactly what it is cultural appropriation <laughs> Come on. i know so oh, i was um it. i was followed the the other day on day on twitter and this is what i have to remind myself of all the time okay but i was followed the other day on twitter by chiefs for change a twitter account now yeah. i'm automatically very suspicious of what they might want and what they are trying to do and why it's necessary but then yeah. on the other hand, I have to remember behind the Twitter account is probably someone who loves rugby and I'd get on with very, very well. And unless we actually yeah. spoke about this, we'd, you know, we'd probably agree on 99% of things. Yeah. Yeah, I know. I think that the road to hell is paved with good, atten- good intentions, isn't it? Yeah, and it that, is. I feel like we're on that road at the minute. I think like everyone's trying to be do the right thing, but I, d- I don't like highlighting. I don't see how highlighting and exaggerating our differences is going to make things better. I think that's when, yeah, I think that's an amazing, we all, we ultimately have to find things in common, find, um, you know, something that we can all build towards. Yeah. Um, but at the minute it's just, it's just blame games really. Um, yeah, it's, it's weird. It's a weird climate. It's a really good point that because I'd say one of the best reasons to play rugby. Um, I mean, I don't mean play for the Lions and play for England like you do, but just play rugby. Um, yeah, is actually because you get to mix with so many people that you wouldn't otherwise mix with, and I don't yeah. mean you know from a racial point of view. I mean actually from a generational point of view. There's no other yeah, time that I, that I have a beer with a 70 year old, and talk, and we're yeah. all have the same thing, which is we love rugby, and that's why it upsets yeah. me so much when. You know, half of rugby Twitter is talking about statues or something. And actually, shouldn't we just be talk- talking about rugby? Isn't this why we're all here? This is how we all built our, yeah. our platform. Yeah, so, so many, you know, ages, cultures, ethnicities, all sorts of things. And, and it gives you something to unite around and it gives you something in common, something to talk about. And I think that we get away from, like, we think we're so different. Do you know what I mean? P- mm. People nowadays think they're so different. Um, but they're really not. That you can always find some something in common with, you know, your fellow your fellow Englishman as long as they enjoy being English, I guess. But. <laughs> yeah. Well, do you know what? I'm I'm actually Welsh, and I can't say I enjoy being Welsh that much at the moment because <laughs> I can't travel back to Wales. You don't sound too Welsh, so that's all. No, I lived in Manchester for too long. Fair enough. Yeah, but it, it, you know, like I say, it is it is the great unifier. So that's the. I mean, I I let myself down on Twitter continuously. You know, I I I often think about it. If I could delete half my tweets, in fact, I might even get one of those tweet scrubbers on. You know, where you kind of delete every seven every seven days, it deletes every, it deletes all of your history. 
<laughs> That's good, that is. I need to get one of them. Yeah, because I think, oh, if someone went through these tweets, my my word. My, my... <laughs> yeah, I feel you. Do, do you think some of your, some of your, um, sorry, do, do you think that sometimes you're treated fair, uh, unfairly on Twitter? Um, I don't really, it depends, well, it depends who you ask, isn't it? If you ask me, then maybe. Yeah. Uh, if you ask somebody else, then they'll probably say no. Um, but I, I feel like I, I'm saying what I'm saying on Twitter to try and um, open some people's minds up about certain things. Like I certainly um, am very open in, open to listen to other people and what they're saying, even if it gets quite difficult because if you say something, it doesn't matter what you say, somebody gets offended by it. And then instead of, um, instead of trying to discuss it with you, they just attack you and try and point score against you. And then obviously if somebody's attacking you, you're hot. I'm just like, all right, then let's go. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, when I'd rather just have a discussion and actually talk things through, which is hard on Twitter anyway, because you've only got a certain amount of characters and stuff like that. But, um, but yeah, I'm just trying to open people up to a different, a different perspective, a different way of going about things because I don't agree with how things have been, how we're going about things at the minute yeah, to it, try and make change. It doesn't feel like the conversations we have are getting more comfortable or the relationships that we're building are getting more comfortable. That's no, what I would say. No, exactly. Uh, I, I mean, I, one of the reasons I ask that is, I, I mean, um, I remember not so long ago, uh, one, uh, one of the, and actually I might just put an edit marker on this in case I don't want to say it or I want to get rid of it, which I will do. <laughs> but um, yeah, I, I remember you said something around Christmas time and the result of it was people started, um, or one person in particular, uh, prominent within rugby, decided to do a credit search on your dad to find out if he was a director and how, uh, you know, and how much he earned. And I thought that's just, that's outrageous actually. Hmm. Yeah, it's that Squidge guy, wasn't it? Squidge, um, yeah. Squidge Rugby? Yeah. Squid, is that, is that it? I think it is, um, yeah. I, I th- and this is the thing, no problem, with, no problem with his content. I think he's a very talented man, all the rest of it. But it's just unacceptable. It's unacceptable. It's quite, it, was, it was quite an interesting one because I tweeted that I don't think England is racist, mm. a racist country, and, I don't, and on a whole, I don't think it is. I think a lot of people, it is classist, so yes. there is an elitist element to England, which is undeniable in my opinion. And I think a lot of classism gets confused as racism because they are quite similarly, quite similar and intertwined in a lot of ways because, um, you know, black people are a, a more a disproportionately in the lower working class. Mm. Um, but that, that's like a whole nother conversation you know, you could talk for hours about that kind of stuff. Um, but yeah, like I said, I, d- I didn't think, I don't think England is a racist society. Obviously there is racist in it. And I think, um, we sh- and I think a lot of people have shunned racism and racist people, which I think is good. And it can always be, you can, al- it can always be improved on, although, although it's never going away. Do you know what I mean? I think people that, that talk about like oh it's 2020 how they're still racist they don't understand human psychology like they don't understand that there's always going to be bad people like 
how is it we're going to get rid of racism, but we can't get rid of murderers? Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And stuff like that. So um, there's always going to be bad people. There's always going to be ignorant people and people who want to hurt others, either through what they say or their actions. Um, but yeah, so I was saying that and naturally what people do nowadays, because I'm black and I'm saying it, they want to discredit my blackness. Mm. So they want to make it seem like I think this way because of X, Y, and Z. And that X, Y, and Z to that, to him was to say my dad was rich and I was obviously brought up in the middle class, which is quite interesting because everybody asks, asks opinions of say, say Marrow, for example. Yeah. And, and his views on everything are very different to mine, but he went to Harrow. He is middle class. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? And I'm, I came from working class. I, 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 I wasn't dirt poor. Do you know, do you, I shouldn't say dirt poor. I, yeah, I know I exactly what you mean. You know what I mean? I wasn't, well, I didn't have money. Yeah. <laughs> do you know what I mean? But I wasn't on food stamps or anything like that. Yeah. Um, but people, because I think how I think, and it's not the narrative that everybody wants to go with, they try and discredit you and find a way to make your, your voice not, um, worthy to listen to. Do you know what I mean? I mean, I think the, the astounding thing about that logic would be if I was a true racist, if I really hated you because of this, because of the color of your skin, I don't think I'd care how, how much your dad earned. I don't think no, no. you know. It just wouldn't make any make any difference, and that's why I found it so uh, so outrageous that someone would go and you know say, "Well, Courtney's obviously from wealth," and to make to prove this point, to prove that he doesn't know, uh, you know what it what it is to be a to be a black man. I've done a credit search on his father. I mean, that is just. Yeah. I think it's it's not only done a credit search, but got it wrong. Yeah, <laughs> Do you know what I mean, got yeah. it completely wrong. Um. But that's 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 the climate we're dealing with at the minute, mate. It's um, you know conservative-minded people, which is most of the people in the country, are uh, being silenced at the minute and made to feel like they're bad people. And it's very interesting. The conversations you have on uh, WhatsApp are very different to the conversations which you have on Twitter. And the way I look at it is, the people that I interact with on Twitter are pretty much all good people. I wouldn't ever bother interacting with someone who I didn't think was a genuinely good person, but we disagree. I just think that probably on Twitter, I treat them worse than I would in real, in real life and probably ruder and probably more obnoxious than I would be in real life. Yeah. And I think they're prob- probably the same. And it doesn't, it doesn't foster a good conversation. No. Twitter's, a, Twitter's a horrible place and it does make you just want to point score rather than actually have a conversation. So uh, I've decided and I've, I've started working with, um, the Centre for Social Justice um, on on, on, um, projects around family and the importance of it and then race race relations and all of that kind of stuff. Um, So I'm very excited to be working with them guys. Um, I'm also working directly uh, with members of government, um, government ministers, the Minister of Equalities and things like that. Who, Who is the Minister for Equality at the moment? Uh, I, I'll tell you in a second. <laughs> tell me about how um, how your link with the sense of social justice came about. Um, it was actually after I put the tweet up about the family, 
and um, and then they got in contact or they got my number off um, Delalio mm-hmm. and got in touch with me and just said, look, what you're saying is is you know um, is an issue at the minute and it's something that if you know, if you're serious about making change, then it's something we need to talk about. So um, I was obviously very keen to to help out. Um, but yeah, that that whole tweet thing was a, was an, was a bit of an eye opener for me because I didn't um, even really put too much thought into it. I mean, I probably didn't word it as I would have now knowing the reaction it got. Yeah, I mean, just just um, what was the reaction like from your side? Because I read it. And I, you know, you only see a snippet because obviously I'm not looking at your notifications and it lighting up. Uh, just how was that from you, from, uh, from your side? Um, it was what it was. I wasn't. I, I mean, I know what Twitter's like. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I don't really care if I'm getting mocked because I don't know these people. Mm. Like the the people who know me know me, and you saying that oh, I'm classist or I'm this and that. I don't care what you think because you don't actually know who I am. You just see my tweet and jump to an assumption that I'm some kind of person. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So I wasn't that bothered. It was annoying that people kept tagging my sponsors and trying to get me fired. Yeah, of course. Um, Which is, you know, um, I find it interesting that the people that hold, that feel like they hold the moral standard for society would be, more than willing to try and ruin somebody's life over um, the difference of an opinion. Yeah, this is the part which gets me raging. Uh, I mean, I, 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 I hold back on insults occasionally, but uh, you know, for people that do that, I just wonder if they think like it's not necessarily Courtney Laws that you're attacking, and if this is successful, that you hurt. You know, it's your four children, it's your, it's your wife, it's your ability to pay your mortgage. Over what was it worth it? How much do you re- how nasty do you have to be to want that to affect not just you but your whole family? Yeah, wrong thing for wrong for what you consider wrong thing just because it's an opinion that you don't like to hear. It's 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 a really weird um, thing to think is a moral thing to do, and they think it's a moral thing to do that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like again, that that is uh, that is where we're at at the minute. But yeah, like I was saying, I, I certainly would have worded it differently. But I think people um, just they didn't see what I actually said; they just saw what they thought I said. Do you know what I did what, the same thing? I did exactly the same they, thing. How how they interpreted it? Because I genuinely thought what he did was a good thing, yeah. and. In fact, I'm working with a club t- to dis- uh, distribute the meals, the free meals, um, because I think, especially in this climate after the pandemic, people need support. And I, I genuinely thought it was a good thing to do. So I said, well done. And then I said, and I thought this would be obvious, that the less people we've got that need these, the more there is to go around. Yes. Do you know what I mean? So, is- so maybe we could get to... A, more of a core issue of it um in a lot in a lot of cases and it's not every case i wasn't talking to people who have you know lost loved ones or have lost it or you know um are married and have lost their job and whatnot mm. um i was talking to, to the people who um you know kind of may not have the knowledge may not know how much children cost 
or you know the emotional toll it has to have a children or that what the best condition to bring children up in in terms of environment do you know what i mean it's quite hard to it's explain the, but it's very um, hard to explain because what you do is you leave yourself open to someone yeah. saying uh, oh right well courtney thinks you can only have children if you're married only have children if yeah. you're rich and that's not or if you're rich i was yeah. like that's when did said. i talk about how much money you need i was just saying be financially secure and have a job do you know what i mean yeah or, or think about you know think about it and that doesn't again uh, what I found so amazing about the so-called... I mean, it's not even controversial. You ask 99% of people on the street, and they'd probably, yeah, that, make, that makes, that makes um, a lot of sense. You know, you wouldn't advise... The people defend, sorry, the people attacking you would never advise their family members to not plan before having a child. But yeah. because of the, judge, you know, the, the judgment aspect of it, and we should never judge and, 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 and all the rest of it, they found what you said incredibly offensive. But I think if they just stepped back and he said, you know, what is it Courtney actually said here? Not what do I think he said? Not what do I think maybe his underlying politics are? Not any of that. Just what did he say? You'd be you'd struggle to find anyone and said, yeah, I would never tell a family member to plan before before having a child. And some people, yeah. you know, and when it does happen in that in in that in that way, it's unfortunate. Uh, it's unfortunate. But guess what? You know, if you have a family, it is easier to deal with. It's you know, yeah. it's just one of those things. Yeah, I know, man. I know. I think I I honestly think also. Um, it it was poor timing for me, certainly, and it was poor. Um, I suppose it was unfortunate that I kind of got dragged into what Katie Hopkins had said. Oh no! And I didn't really? even I don't follow her, and I don't realize I didn't realize she'd said anything about it. And people were comparing what I said to what she said. And I was like, well, that's clearly not the same. <laughs> but yeah. I'm just they're kind of conflating us. You know what I mean? Um. And I didn't realise also that he was from a single parent household. Yeah. So I wouldn't have I wouldn't have posted it if I'd known that. Yeah. Um, but I just saw that he'd done a good thing, and um, I thought I'd congratulate him on it, and you know have a suggestion of uh, what we can do to help people. Yeah. Now I, I actually think um, the way you handle yourself on Twitter, and you know the things that you think things things that you say, not only are broadly correct. In fact, I think they are correct. I agree with most of them. Um, but I also think it is taking increasing, increasing courage, and you're in, you're, you're taking in, an increasing risk by uh, by doing it. Yes, yes, I am. Um, but uh, I want to help. <laughs> so you've got to sacrifice. Do you know what I mean? I can't. I can't just. That's why um, I'm, I'm working with people. Do you know what I mean? I'm I'm trying to make change. Cause I can't just chat about it on Twitter, even though maybe I can help people on Twitter that. You know, aren't self-aware in some some type of way, and make them see that um, that there are things you can do to help yourself. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Because at the minute it's like doomsday. Like no, no, everybody's just man. There's nothing I can do. It's just, but you can, and that's what I'm trying to make people people say. And I haven't, and I'll admit I haven't gone the right way about it, especially um, towards the start of it, because I was quite annoyed with everybody's saying stuff that I didn't agree with. So I would just try and point uh, point score. But um, certainly in the last few weeks and months, um, I'm trying to actually convince people that, you know, you can um, change your own circumstance if you, you know, if you make good decisions, you put your mind to it. Well, um, it's, but well, it's, it's of, hard. It's hard to get it across at the minute. 
it's sort of linked, isn't it, to what we said right at the start of the podcast, which is you know the things you know when you're in your mid-30s compared to what you know in your mid-20s are astounding. Just that alone means that you can dish out some some form of, form of advice, and it'll yeah. evolve again by the time you're 45 and 55 and 65 and so, and, and so on and so forth. Yeah, I mean, I, I had to, I've always, well, my dad's conservative, um, and he, he, was, he moved over here when he was 12 from Jamaica, mm. and he gets a lot of crap for it. Um, obviously in, in the black community, which is, but he, he doesn't care because he knows what he's saying is true. And obviously I'm the same. I've been playing for England since I was 20. So I've been under a lot of pressure and scrutiny from a very young age. And I think that's helped me mature a lot quicker. Yeah. Um, and I, I, obviously everybody that feels kind of way can see, you know, think that what they feel is right. But um, I, I base almost all of my um, kind of conclusions and philosophies and responsibility on logic and uh, rather than emotion. And obviously, it, it's important to be aware of people's emotions, but at the end of the day, emotions cloud your, your judgment. Yeah which is why I don't come at things from an emotional standpoint. I think you've got to look at, you know, the statistics. Um, you've got to look at what people are saying and what is affecting them. And if what they're saying is true, um, which it takes a lot of time, it takes a lot of learning, doesn't it? Um, yeah. And I've certainly learned a lot since I started, you know, tweeting and listening to people on, on, on Twitter and stuff like that. And um, my position on certain things has definitely changed. Um, but that's, that's the whole point of it. If, I can change my position, then so can you, and you know we can help each other. Yeah, and you know you say um, a lot of good good things there, particularly around the logic thing. And I think you know, say if there was some systemic reason that one group is uh, disadvantaged compared to the next, that's awful. Everyone agrees that that's awful. But if we all, you know, if you then acted as an individual to do all the things possible to make your life as good as it could be, you might fail. But at least you've got. You know, at least you're a little bit further down the road. At least you've given yourself a chance to, to succeed. And that's how yeah. I see it. You know, it's good advice. No, you're right. Good advice. And the, maybe it works, maybe it doesn't. The, no, you're, you're right, mate. And there, there, there's a lot. That, mate, there's an absolute ton of stuff to, um, you know, that you could chat about in, in terms of this side of it. And I think there's a lot for, for both sides to learn because at the minute we've got one side berating the other side and blame them for everything. And then the other side is shutting down and going, how can you blame this all on me? <laughs> I'm yeah, not listening yeah. to what you say. But you need to listen to each other, um, which is where we're failing at the minute. Because there are there are things that do ha- hurt. Um, not necessarily... Well, there are things that hurt black people in this country. One of them being class. But that's not necessarily tied directly to race but there are obviously things around race um implications and ignorances and just the fact that some people haven't even met black people and a black person in england yeah so they're going to have certain ignorances about it um which is and and things like the fact that i think a lot of the english see the black community they perceive them a certain way, but they don't realize as in a, in a bad light, but they don't realize that things like 
crime um, down to being in poverty, not necessarily mm -hmm. culture. Um, and while I think that there are certainly things that the black community can improve in culture, which will help them get out of poverty, um, I think it's other people need to understand that it's not because they're black that they're criminals. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and that this is this was evident in terms of um, what they had in Glasgow when it was mainly young white youth that was running around stabbing people. Do you know what I mean? So, yes. And exactly what um, so, so uh, there, there's things to learn on both sides. And then, uh, mate, I don't want to make this into like a controversial thing, so I won't go any, any more into it. But, <laughs> yeah. um, but I would just say that there is certainly things that we can do in the black community to, to help ourselves. And there's definitely things that the government and English people can do to understand, you know, what black people are going through and how they can help. Yeah. But feeling so feeling sorry for yourself and feeling sorry for others is not going to help. Yeah, I mean, I definitely agree. I mean, maybe feeling sorry for others can help. I mean, maybe a bit more compassion, maybe a bit more understanding can help. Feeling sorry yeah. for yourself is it just is a no go. And I worked up in Oldham for uh, five years, I believe, six, six years. Uh, and when that is legitimately, if not the poorest town in the UK, one of them. And I can completely yeah. back up what back up what um, what you say, which is you know it, it, it's mostly socioeconomic. If we want to help people, we've got to help and look at it through a socioeconomic and class lens because that's yeah. a really difficult part. I feel like we've gone through a period where there's really not much um, in, in Western society where there's really no other society that's as free and as diverse mm -hmm. and has less to worry about like poverty in england is not poverty it's more compared to I, do you know i'm sorry I, I would have to disagree with that and i reason is like i've seen some of the poorer states in the north of england okay. you're all right actually no sorry i've got to say it's a very complex one i think poverty can largely be relative so it's the relative, um, it's sort of like the relative standard, standard, of, standard of, of living compared to the average. You're 100% yeah. right to say poverty in uh, Oldham is not the same as poverty in India. You are 100% right, 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 right to say yeah. that. But I also think it's not necessarily the right measure we should be looking at. It should almost be like poverty relative to the average standard of living, if that makes sense. But, yeah, fair enough. Certainly. Um again but yeah i suppose what what i was saying is comparatively to anywhere else you were living there, there's very few places on earth that you're going to be better off in than in western most western countries or times in history in or, yeah exactly um and i think that you know that that kind of old saying whereabouts what does it go like it's, it's the one about um, strong men make good times. Good times make weak men. Weak men make hard times, and then hard times make strong strong men. I've that, not heard that. that. I That's feel a like very that, very good saying. Yeah, I feel like it's just that's just part of just humanity going round. Like there's there's nothing really. Um, there's no external threat to 
uh, to fight. So we're going to fight each other. <laughs> do you know what I mean? Yeah, I do wonder if it's a case. Well, I I wonder if it's a case of humans need something to to fight against. I mean, it could be just yeah. as simple as that. You know, we've got well, it unifies you, doesn't it? it? It gives you a common goal. Yeah, maybe we just want to be part of a group, and if that group means that we have to chastise and fight against i don't know our neighbors for the wrong things that they think maybe maybe that's the way forward <laughs> who knows i don't know i don't know man I, I mean i hope i'm wrong um but i i don't i don't know how this i can't see where this is going to turn around at the minute i can't see anything good most, coming from it. it it um is basically how i see it can i see anything good coming from it not unless people start actually discussing things again, which is not what they're doing. I feel like people just live in echo chambers nowadays and they're scared to get out of them because they might be proven wrong. Yeah. Um, and everybody's so intent on, they're scared of being wrong. Do you know what I mean? And they're intent on being right and um, they'll do anything to prove it. Do you know what I mean? So. But being wrong is scary. You know, being wrong... I mean, imagine if we were proved wrong, for instance, that, you know, for instance, you're not successful because of your hard work, you're successful because you're lucky, and that was proved. It'd be terrifying. You know, it'd be terrifying to me if someone proved to me that free markets don't work. It would upend my whole my whole existence. So I yeah, can't yeah, yeah. with them in a way, which is, it is a scary prospect of being wrong. It is, it is. And it is um, subjective, mm. being right and wrong, because two people can think the same can think exactly the same thing and one of them sees it as a good thing and one of them sees it as a bad thing do you know what i mean so it's quite we're all just different and that's why i'm i'm trying to find ways of getting people to you know find things in common find things that they can get behind rather than obsess over over like differences and things that may or may not happen, may or may not be true. Um, just just anything, you know, divisive things. There's so much division now. And I think most of it is probably pushed by the media. Oh, um, I think so. Yeah, the, the, the thing that I find most interesting because I, I try and, like I said, I try and listen to, the, to other people on their side. I think it's quite interesting that both sides, right and left, feel like the media is against them. <laughs> yeah. Mate, I'm going to have to try and think of a way to stitch up a question now to make this interview sound good um (laughs) (laughs) uh, Um, so yeah so anyway i think we i think we both agree that twitter might not be the best form of um of communication between people how would you like to see the discussion change in change in in the future and we'll just have that question just 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 to wrap this up because i feel that we might we might go down a rabbit hole here mate yeah i know i know we're we're having a good old chat um i'd like to say i'd like to see people uh just be more open-minded both sides of the argument Mm. um and not be as worried about being wrong i want to see people actually try and find common ground rather than try and be right yeah um and i think that is how we're gonna get get some progress i think those are very very wise words now before i let you go uh, i can't let you go without giving me a few predictions for the rest of the season uh, you'll yeah. be back in action soon give me a prediction yes. um are you gonna win the pre- the premiership final 
course, mate. No doubt. <laughs> uh, who do you think you'll be beating, and and, and what's and what's the score? Oh, actually, haven't you got a European semi as well? Yeah, I don't. I'm not sure what's going on with all that now. Yeah, uh, yeah to be it, honest, it, it it's been announced. Um, oh, very good. Yes, yes, a weekend, so you'll be doing that as well. Oh, great. Well, we'll go and win that as well. Um, but no, I mean, I think in terms of Prem, um, Exeter are always there or thereabouts, isn't it? Yeah. Um, so we need to find a way to uh, to sort that out. Well, I think. I think. Well, if you beat Exeter in the final, I think you'll need to go through Sale as well. So good luck with that as well. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, excellent. Where can we find you on Twitter, Instagram, those sort of those sort of places? Uh, well, I'm Big Courts eighty nine on Instagram, um, and then it's Courtney underscore Laws um, on uh, Twitter. Fantastic, mate! It's been an absolute pleasure. I've really enjoyed it, and we should do this again soon. Maybe we will. Yeah, sounds good. We'll. Uh... When things cool down, we might might have a, a bit of a bit more of a chat. Excellent, mate. Excellent. Thank you very much. Oh, mate. No uh, worries. Have, have you guys got another uh, date up in the AJ Bell soon? Or have you played in the AJ Bell this season? Uh, no. Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware.